Welcome to the Choose Optimism podcast brought to you by Optimist International, a podcast to let you know of all the good things that might be happening right in your own backyard. This is a podcast to highlight the positive influences of Optimist Clubs right in your own community. As always, we're going to start our podcast with a quote, and today it is, it is difficult to find another branch of knowledge where a small amount of study produces such great results in increased efficiency in a country where the people rule, as in parliamentary law. This time, it is my pleasure to introduce our guest today, who is the past Foundation International President of the International Foundation, Mr. Mark Katz. Mark, great to have you on with us today. Great to be with you, Shane. So we're excited to talk about uh, information for our clubs this year. But Mark, one of the things we always do on this podcast is we talk about your optimist story. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with being an optimist. So kind of interesting, Shane. Uh, I had known about the Optimist Club uh, well before I joined it and had been very active in my daughter's uh, PTAs uh, at their schools. And in fact, had served for two years as the state of Michigan PTA vice president for legislative activity. And after my daughters had kind of left elementary school and went to middle school, I was looking for another opportunity. And again, I'd known about the Optimist Club and always kind of wondered you know, how do you get to join one of the, these clubs? And I was told, well, you've got to be invited. And I was pretty active in our community. I had recently been elected to our school board in uh, in the city of Berkeley, where I live. And I said, well, I'm on the school board. I've been pretty active in the community. I wonder what else you have to do to get an invitation. And then one day I did get an invitation for a now meeting. At that time, it was New Us Optimists Wanted. And now it's known as New Us Optimists Welcome. And I went to the meeting. And they talked about the club uh, here in the community that I live in. And I said, that's certainly something that I do want to do. And so I did join the club. And almost right away, the club had a belief that once they bring someone into the club, you get them involved right away in some type of activity. And so there was an activity the club was doing a few weeks after that that they asked me if I could help out with. And of course they did. And then one of the club members a couple months later said to me, you know, there's this thing called the district meeting that you should ought to come to. And I had every excuse in the world as to why I couldn't go to the meeting. Now, I couldn't afford the registration fee. I said, oh, don't worry, the club will pay for that. I said, well, my car really isn't all that good. I don't know that I can drive as far as where the meeting is. They said, don't worry about it. You could ride with my wife and I. I said, well, I really can't afford an overnight room, so you can stay with us. And so they kind of took away all of those objections that I possibly had, and I wound up going to the district meeting. And while I was at the meeting, they were talking about this thing at the meeting called Awards and Achievement. And I found that kind of interesting. And I was looking at the scoreboard that they had, and it showed that our club had a negative 23 points. And I'm kind of wondering, how can you have negative points when your club does certain things? And I kind of raised my hand and kind of started questioning. And then they took a break. And a couple of minutes later on the break, this gentleman tapped me on the shoulder and he said, well, do you think you could run that program any better? I said, well, it's said almost anybody could. He said, well, I happen to be the governor and I'm looking for someone that's going to share the program. Would you do it? And seeing that I had kind of already put my foot in my mouth, it was kind of like, yeah, I'd be willing to do that. But in, you know, so I did that. But within the club, they had asked me to be on the board of directors. And when I was at a district meeting, this gentleman ran into me in the elevator. He said, oh, you're on your club's board of directors. I said, yep. He said, have you ever thought about being club president? I said, well, I really haven't thought about it. He said, you really ought to think about being club president. Well, I became our club president, and I was at a meeting about a year later, and I ran into the same gentleman again in an elevator. And he said to me, oh, you're club president. 
have you ever thought about being a lieutenant governor? I said, well, what's that? And he kind of told me, so well, you ought to think about becoming lieutenant governor. Well, I did. And he kept encouraging me to keep striving higher and to get more involved in the district and everything. And I still think the gentleman to this day, his name is Rich Bloom. I think a lot of people that will be listening to the podcast know Rich. Rich was very active, not only in our Michigan district, but also internationally for a number of years. But I did become a district governor and then had the opportunity under uh, President Mike Listenberger to be able to do some workshops at convention. And then the following year, President Ronnie Dunn asked me to serve on my first international committee. And I was on the leadership committee for a couple of years, both under Ronnie and also President Theo Golding. And during that time, I'd gotten to know a lot of people. And they said to me, would you be interested in serving as an international vice president? And I wound up doing that. And then they said, well, would you be interested in serving on the International Board of Directors? And I did spend three years on the International Board of Directors. But one of my loves had always been our foundation. And I had always believed from day number one to contribute to the foundation and support the efforts that the foundation really had. And at one of the conventions, a couple of the past foundation presidents came up and said, you ought to think about running for the foundation board. And after much consideration... I did run for the foundation board and recently just finished a four-year term on the foundation board and served in my last year as the president of our international foundation and just found that because our foundation supports all of the programs of Optimist International, they're really talking to our members and encouraging them, even if they can only contribute a little, that those dollars that we raise really do go back to the clubs and really is a benefit for all of our clubs and all of our club members. So kind of an interesting path that I've been able to take. And, uh, you know, as we kind of move forward into next year, my club, which is 77 years old, has never had a repeat president. And our individual who was supposed to be our president starting in October because of uh, a commitment had to back out. And the club came to me and said, would you be interested in serving as our club president? And uh, I did agree to do that. And our club has started our planning, of course, for next year. But I'll also next year be serving on the International Candidate Qualifications Committee, which is a three-year commitment when you serve on that committee. It's been kind of a, a fun ride. I think I've gotten way more out of it than what I've given back. But uh, just a fun ride and really enjoy but my love really still is is going to the oratorical and working with the oratorical uh, participants that we have in our club. Uh, been real active in junior golf and being able to help at our local tournament, our state tournament, but also down in Florida at some of the tournaments down there that the better golfers are able to go to. And just uh, really in, just enjoy being, almost being in the dirt and working with the youth within our community. Mark, your journey just goes to show that anybody can be just a club member, but it's just- the decision to have how far you want to climb in this organization, which I always tell people the limits that you have to be in leadership are the ones that you set for yourself. I think that's very true. And, uh, you know, and, and I always would, when we, I talk to club members, I always say to them, you know, our club does a lot of projects. Don't feel like you have to be involved in every single project. But if we can get all of our individual club members to even participate in two or three of our activities every year, it really then makes the club much stronger. It really does so much more to benefit the youth in our community. That is a very true statement. One of the things that uh, you and I share a common love of is uh, club governance with Robert's rules and bylaws and stuff like that. You know, and bylaws are so important to a club because they they run the day-to-day operations of our club. But a lot of times, too, our bylaws 
are required by Optimus International to be updated and you know do different things. Let's talk a little bit about that. What are some things when with bylaws that clubs can do, you know, to help their clubs be stronger? You know, I mean, one of the things that a club we always used to say to clubs, you know, every three years you ought to review your bylaws, see if there's any changes that really need to be made to bring them more current, to really be more pertinent for how your club operates. And even though there are required sections from Optimus International that we do have to have in our bylaws, there are other things that a club can put into their bylaws that really facilitate the day-in and day-out activities. Now, one of the things that's happening, though, Shane, is that starting October 1, the International Board of Directors has approved a new mandatory set of club bylaws, and all of our clubs are going to be required to update their bylaws over the 23-24 Optimus year to bring them in line with all of those required things. Now, from what I understand, some of those required things are really going to be there because of the insurance coverage that we have and the insurance company really requiring certain things that have to be in our bylaws for clubs to be covered by the insurance. But they're really giving us a whole year to be able to get that done. And in fact, there is a webinar coming up the first week in October that our clubs can dial into. It's on the first Wednesday in October in the evening that we'll really go through those changes that have to be made. And an interesting thing, too, is a lot of us used to do our bylaws. We'd print them off. We'd mail them in. Starting October 1, that's not going to be possible anymore. Bylaws can only be updated online and have to be submitted online. And so a club can really just take the suggested bylaws, fill in the blanks to benefit their club, have them approved by their club, submit them, and they're going to be all set. Because changing bylaws is not as easy as people think because <laughs> there's a lot of requirements with Robert's rules to be able to uh, change things. You have to alert things and do different things. It's quite the process. We've done this in the past before, a couple times to update bylaws. And people don't realize that, you know, Optimist International, part of our dues helps pay insurance, like you stated earlier. Tell us a little bit about that. You know, the insurance policy helps clubs you know, with an umbrella policy. Can we can we elaborate on that so clubs understand what their dues are helping pay? Now, you know, I'm really not an expert on insurance, but as I understand it, you know, the insurance coverage that we have is that if our club does have an activity and someone were to be injured at that activity, we have the insurance coverage to be able to cover that. Now, the thing is, though, is that the insurance, as far as our adult volunteers are concerned, only does cover the members of our club. And then it covers anyone, any of the youth that are participating in any one of those activities. So we do need to make sure that all of our volunteers are enrolled on our roster, that they're members of our club, so that they will be covered, you know, in a worst case scenario, if something were to happen. You know, ideally, you never want to use the insurance. It's kind of like we all have car insurance, and we're hoping we never have to use it. We all have health insurance, and we're hoping we never have to use it. But it's nice to know that that coverage is there. Uh, and that we do have it available to us. And there is a part of our dues that we pay every year that does go to pay that premium to the insurance company. And as I think everybody can imagine, insurance premiums keep going up and up and up and up. And it's really becoming a rather large expense for the organization to be able to maintain that coverage. That is correct. And like I was saying, just so our members know, or the people that are listening, that is what our dues help pay for with Optimus International. So it's a that's a benefit to us by paying a membership to be a volunteer, which, you know, in the long haul might pay off if somebody on 
unfortunately, it was accidentally get hurt. You know, and it's kind of interesting. A lot of people do think that our membership dues go to pay for things like the scholarships and that that are given out for oratorical, for essay, for the deaf and hard of hearing. And none of our dues money does go for those scholarships. All of those scholarships are solely funded by our two foundations, either by the Optimist International Foundation or by the Canadian Children's Optimist Foundation. It's the little things. We want to talk about your experience on the Optimist International Foundation being president. You know, it was probably was one of the most rewarding experiences that I've had. Uh, I mean, I've always said as a school board member, my greatest experience was being able to sign and hand my kids their diplomas as they walked across the stage from high school graduation. But being part of the foundation, and really being able to see all of the different activities that our clubs are doing. You know, the foundation does offer club mansion grants every year where they budget about $20,000 a year where clubs can apply for grants of anywhere up to $1,000 for a new project the club is going to do. And to see some of those projects when the applications come in that our clubs want to do to benefit the community. And they're just so unique as to what's best in their particular community. You know, things like the the backpack program that a lot of clubs have, uh, things that are done with Ronald McDonald House for the parents to be able to offset some of their expenses while they're, they have their children, you know, in Children's Hospital. And we have the grants that are available for childhood health and wellness, where a club, whether it's a new program or an existing program, can go apply for a matching grant of up to $1,000. And just so many neat things under health and wellness that clubs do. You know, one of the things that my club in Royal Oak uh, does is every year we give a bike helmet to every third grader within the schools in our community, both our public schools and our private schools. And so we give out about 400 bike helmets every year. And that's a program that uh, the foundation potentially under the health and wellness grants would be willing to match $1,000 versus what the club is contributing to have a program like that. And so all of our clubs have great programs going on, and many of our clubs don't even think about applying for those matching grants that are available. Which just goes to show how giving the Optimist people are in our community, because we did one of the things where we talked about a the scholarship program for the oratorical, almost a quarter of a million dollars a year is given away. You know, it's actually closer to $400,000. You know, when you look at the, the, the each district does receive for the oratorical $5,000 to be able to give back out in scholarships. And then for those students that move on to the regionals, uh, at the regional level, the winner gets a $5,000 scholarship. And for those that go to the world finals, the winner gets a $15,000 scholarship. Second place is 10,000 and third place is 5,000. So when you think about a student winning at their club level, going out of the district level, moving on to the international level, they can get up to $22,500 in scholarship money. And for most universities, that's going to be enough to almost pay for one year, unless it's one of those private universities where tuition is considerably greater. Uh, going back to the club governance thing, you know, with Robert's rules and stuff like that and updating bylaws, one of the things that, that we talk about is having an, uh, when we're having a meeting Talk about uh, running a meeting. Talk about let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff we can do for the Optimist story with club governances and agendas and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I think when a club has a meeting, they should have a set agenda that they really have that they follow at each one of their meetings, and by doing that, you're able to stay on 
track with the things that you want to cover during the meeting. So I know like my club, for example, we always start off the meeting, you know, with, uh, with saying the pledge. We then go into any optimist news that we want to sh- share with club members. And might that be an activity the club has coming up? Might be something that's going on at our district level or at the international level. And then we go to things like non-optimist announcements. So for other things that are going on within our community that we think our members should be aware of. And then we go into all different kind of categories where club members are able to brag. That's kind of interesting. You know, the first club that I belonged to after it disbanded, I moved to the club that I'm in now. And the club that I'm in now was always known that they have a lot of fines at their meetings, and they're really fines for brags. And they had about 30 different categories that they fine members for. And I was kind of wondered, why do you have all of these fines? And I was sitting there with some of the board veteran members one day, and they said to me, the reason that they have all of those categories for their fines at their meeting is that years ago, when the club was an all-men's club, before women were allowed into organization, they used to meet at lunchtime every week. And they would have a newsletter that was published after the meeting. So they had all these categories so that people could pay a fine, get their name into the newsletter. So their spouse would know that they actually were at the Optimus meeting, that they weren't out doing something else during that period of time. And you know, and then and then after we and after we go through all the fines, our club does have a program. <laughs> a program at every single meeting. And so that program might be that we have the superintendent of schools come in to talk to us about what's going on in the schools. Every year we have the fire chief and the police chief come in and they talk to us about what's going on within the community, things that might be of interest. We have the sheriff from our county that comes in once a year and talks about things that are going on. And so we really try to have every month one relevant speaker as far as what's going on within our community. And then we have speakers on other topics that we think would be interesting to our club members. One of the most interesting ones that we had recently We had a speaker from an organization called Camp Casey, where they have a horse farm, and they use them as really therapeutic help for children that are going through cancer. And it's a program that our club has started to support, where we do donate to that program every year. And in fact, last year, when I was International Foundation president, I was from the foundation allowed me to give away $2,500 to an organization that I wanted to see a support as far as childhood cancer was concerned. And that donation did go to Camp Casey to support their horse program. And they will often with this program actually bring a horse out to the home of a child who's going through treatment and everything and allow them to invite friends over and they have activities that they do. And it was just a wonderful three hours that I was able to spend with some other club members to be able to help support not only Camp Casey, but again, the youth within our community. But again, having a program at your meeting does draw members to come to our meetings. And then we always uh, end our meetings with the Optimist Green. But by having that agenda and following that agenda every week, it just allows us to function and to get all of our business done, but also still have a lot of fun at our meetings. Yes, if we're not having fun in a meeting, I think we're doing something wrong. One of the things we always talk about is having a program almost every week at a meeting, and it's very difficult to find a program every time. Well, not necessarily, Shane. You know, the way the way that I've kind of looked at and talked to our program chair for next year, like I had mentioned, we have actually have 12 speakers that we've identified that we should hear from every year. Again, the school the superintendent, the fire chief, the police chief. So we know that one of our meetings every month 
we're going to have that speaker. We also, one of our meetings every month is our business meeting. So rather than having separate meetings for our committees, we do that during one of our meetings and then report back to the group as a whole. We also ask each one of our club members to be the speaker at one of our meetings every month to really talk about them. And so we can kind of get to know them, but also know what they do. And kind of a sad but funny story so far as that's concerned. One of our club members owns a collision shop. And so it's one of those things that you're hoping that you're never going to need them. Well, about a week ago, I had a deer jump out in front of my car and it had some damage. Well, who am I going to go to have it repaired? I'm going to go to my club member who happens to have that collision business. But if we didn't allow our members to talk about things like what they do for a living, I might not have known that and might have been searching for somewhere to go to. And so really, we only then have to find what I'm going to say is one outside speaker every month to fill in that one other meeting that we have to be able to make sure that we have a speaker at every one of our meetings. One of the things on the club positions we talk about, like a president, a secretary, and a treasurer and board member, I think one of the most unutilized positions in the Optimist organizations is the club foundation rep. Tell us a little bit about the club foundation rep and their role in the Optimist clubs. Yeah, the foundation does ask that every club assign one of their members to be the club foundation representative. And they really then are the go-between between the district foundation representative and the club itself. And we really ask that the club foundation rep maybe four times a year, so once a quarter, that they really talk to the club about the foundation, bring up what the foundation has done and ways that the club can help contribute to the foundation. And so the foundation rep is able to talk to the club members then about the Diamond Day program, where for 10 cents a day or $36.50, that member can contribute to the foundation. But they also talk to clubs about doing things like the Dollar a Day, where a club would contribute $365 to the foundation. And, you know, one of the requirements under the current Honor Club and Distinguished Club programs is that a club does have to make a $100 donation to the foundation. And that isn't that an individual member is making that. It's the club itself is making that. And so clubs often wonder, well, how can we do that? And I'll use my club as an example What we did a number of years ago when we decided to increase our member dues is I said to the club, we really should be contributing the dollar a day or the 365. And at that time, we had about 65 members in our club. And I said to them, why don't we take whatever we think our dues are going to be? Let's say they're going to be $100. Make them $105. And that extra $5 then goes to the foundation as far as the dollar a day program is concerned. And all of the members thought that was a great idea. But I think about one of our clubs that we have here in Michigan on the west side of our state in Kalamazoo, where every single year in August, they do a auction for the dollars going to the foundation to really benefit the programs of the foundation. And what they have is members bring in items to that meeting for them to be able to auction off. And they're all wrapped up, so you never always know exactly what you're going to be getting. But that club recently at their meeting a couple weeks ago raised over $2,500 in a 45-minute time period for that dollars to go to the foundation. And so the club foundation rep, besides providing the information, can encourage those types of activities within the club to help out the foundation and, again, benefit the youth. And the interesting thing, and again, I'll use my club as an example, my club has always supported the foundation. And a few years ago, we did apply for a grant and receive it for a program that we're doing in connection with Gilda's Club. And as soon as we got that grant, 
It seemed like our club members almost doubled the amount of money that they were giving to the foundation because they said, boy, you're right. They really do give back to the clubs and the programs within the communities. You know, being an auctioneer, that blind auction is something that I really should investigate. Yeah, I can I can pass on that information to you to put you in touch with that club. I'm the one up front that's talking too fast at a fundraiser, so I do love auctions and stuff like that. Tell us a little bit about how a club can take advantage of Robert's rules, like with running a board meeting or a regular meeting, but more importantly, a board meeting. Now, you know, when I think about Robert's, and again, if you're in a large group setting, like a convention, you have to be a little bit more stringent on how you really follow the rules that Roberts has. When you drop down to a club meeting and a board meeting, the rules are not as stringent as they are when you have a large group setting. But it's really the whole purpose of Roberts is to make sure that everybody does have a say in what's going on, but also remembering that majority always rules. And so it really allows them for motions to be made for motions to be seconded, for motions to be debated, and for motions to be amended. And so at a board meeting, let's say that a club was thinking about that they wanted to have a bicycle bicycle safety program, and they want to spend $500 out of club funds to be able to support that. All that one of the members has to do is to make a motion where they would say, I move that the club, that we authorize the club to spend up to $500 for the bike safety program. That motion would require a second, and then the chair would ask for any comments. And then after all members present and had an opportunity to comment, the chair would say, if there are no further comments, are we ready to vote? And people would kind of nod, yeah, we're ready to vote. All those in favor say aye, and then all those opposed the same. And then either the motion passes or the motion doesn't pass. But again, the motion might be amended. And maybe one of the club members would say, I'd like to amend that motion. Rather than spending $500, I think we should authorize that $750 be spent. Well, that amended amendment would need a second, and then there would be debate. Then you would vote on the amendment. And then if that amendment is approved, you go back to the original motion as amended and then vote on that. But again, it really allows for things to be done in an orderly process. And as formal as I'd like for it to be, it can be done very casually, but still it's maintaining that order, providing everybody with a say, but remembering that once a vote is taken, majority rules. And so you might have been in the minority, but once the club, once the board has made that decision, all the board members should support that decision that was made. Yes, it's a huge thing. Once a board decides something, we can't have pettiness on the board because that's not a way for a club to not have fun and move forward. Definitely true. Mark, when we talk about using Robert's rules, is there a platform that clubs can use on the Optimist International website to look up information? There certainly is. Uh, hopefully, many of our members have taken advantage of been able to enroll in the Optimist Institute at no cost. It's one of the benefits of our club membership. And there is a module that does deal with parliament, parliamentary procedure. So be it a veteran club member, be it a brand new board member, they're able to go into that module and the whole module only takes about 30 minutes to go through. And it really does go through using Robert's rules of orders and parliamentary procedure to be able to have much more efficient uh, meetings and decision making by the club. Yes. And that's one of the things, one of the benefits Optimist International is all the modules that people can take advantage of to learn how to run a better meeting or just to be a better optimist in general. Exactly. And, uh, 
you know, now that that program is, is at no cost to us, see, it's part of our membership, every single one of our members should be signing up for the Institute. And even if you're a non-officer, there's a lot of interesting modules to be able to go through that will not only benefit you as an optimist, but really benefit you as a person as a whole. It can really be beneficial then in whatever your career is outside of optimism. Just goes to show on top of the insurance, this is what our dues are paying for, the tools that we can use at no cost to our members. Exactly. Mark, I can't tell you how much we appreciate your time today and talking about club governance, Robert's rules, and running a better Optimist Club. We really appreciate your service as a club member and in your leadership roles in the Optimist International Organization. Yeah, my pleasure, Sean. It's, it's, it's been a bit of pleasure to be with you, and uh, hopefully we uh, can meet up in person someday. There's an international board meeting coming up in Niagara Falls for our listeners that are out there who are interested in attending at the end of June 2024 to celebrate the Canadian 100-year anniversary of optimism. So maybe I'll see you in Niagara Falls. I will be there. We always like to summarize our podcast and have a quote at the end. And Mark, we'll see if this one fits. And it's, no matter what happens in our lives, we should always stay optimistic and look for the opportunity. We would like to thank you for listening to the Choose Optimism podcast. If you like our podcast, please give us a five-star review and share with your family and friends to let them know what's going on in your community as well. And until next time, remember to choose optimism. 